0: The Free Method is a way. Cross-cultural collaboration. From the beginning, God's intent was to have a people from every nation, culture and ethnicity, united in Christ and commissioned to carry out His work in the world. Today, we celebrate the beauty of a multicultural and multi-ethnic church, both in the U.S. and in over a 100 countries around the world. In the United States, we cling to the promise that we have been made one in Christ, even as we dedicate ourselves to becoming a more diverse church that looks like the kingdom of God. Globally, we continue to send missionaries to other nations, even as we rejoice that the nations are increasingly coming to us. Freely sharing our own gifts and resources, we are also challenged and inspired by the faithfulness, perseverance, ceaseless prayer, theological insights, and spiritual wisdom of our international brothers and sisters. Without question, we are better together. The Free Methodist Way aspires to move beyond colonialism and ethnocentrism in favor of a collaborative partnership in God's global work in anticipation of the day when a great multitude from every tongue, tribe, people, and language makes up the eternal throng before the throne of God. Cross-Cultural Collaboration by Bishop Linda Adams Crunch? I watched in horror as the hood of my VW Jetta crumpled like tinfoil while I honked the horn with all my might. The driver of the big truck in front of me had backed into me so fast he totaled my car in two seconds. I'm so sorry, he groaned. I never even saw you. I guess the load piled high in the back of his truck blocked his rearview mirror and his side mirror's view proved too wide to see my little car. I was in his blind spot. He didn't mean to hit me. He just didn't see me. It's sort of like that with cross-cultural blind spots. Without intending harm, we make false assumptions about people's existence because we're seeing them only through our own cultural lenses. As Jesus warned, we could very well have a plank in our own eye while we point out the speck of sawdust in another person's eye. See Matthew 7, verses 1 through 5. An African proverb says it this way Strangers have their eyes wide open, but they see very little. For the American context, it is significant to know that 75% of whites have entirely white social networks without any minority presence, and that the same kind of reality holds true for almost two thirds of black Americans. Taken from The Third Option Hope for a Racially Divided Nation by Miles McPherson, quoting statistics from the Public Research Institute. This social divide inevitably creates blind spots. How can we learn not to judge one another without understanding each other? Can we find ways to walk a mile in each other's shoes? How can we work collaboratively to reach the variety of people in our cities and communities with the good news of Jesus if we live in isolation from one another? For many free Methodists in the U.S., cross-cultural exposure has first been experienced on short-term international mission trips. Tens of thousands have gone on volunteer in service abroad visa trips to visit and serve in another part of the world. Almost always, Visa teams return home reporting eye-opening and humbling experiences. The people we met had so little but were so generous. The children were poor but so happy. The church's high-energy worship went on for three hours and nobody got tired. Lasting impressions have often been formed around memories of passionate faith, sacrificial hospitality, family solidarity, and delicious exotic food. The beauty of another culture was on full display and the visa team eventually realized we went to help, but actually we found out we were there for God to open our eyes to ourselves and our world. We learned far more than we taught. And that is, in fact, one reason to send teams. People gain from the experience of Crossing Cultures 101. But of course, only the most basic lessons can be learned in a week or two and sometimes appearances deceive, and we are so blind to the impact of our own presence and culture that our learning is flawed. How can we get beyond first impressions and host-guest politeness and begin to understand at a deeper level? How can we gain a worldview shaped by intercultural intelligence rather than surface realities? That's where collaboration comes in. We need each other. When our brothers and sisters around the world become our real partners, we take a learning posture with them. When they recognize in us a desire to be true co-laborers, they can speak the hard truth and ask hard questions and learn from us as well. We all move beyond judging based on outward appearances to appreciating something closer to what God sees, the heart. Humility can lead to true knowledge which enhances love and respect and empowers our shared mission. Sometimes, people who have begun to have their eyes open move on to educate themselves further through reading, joining groups, or taking courses like Perspectives or those involving the IDI, Intercultural Development Inventory. Free Methodist World Missions now works in 98 countries. We also celebrate the existence of 19 general conferences, each governed by its own book of discipline, bishops, and boards. We embrace the way of intercultural engagement, moving beyond old mindsets toward profound cross-cultural collaboration. The church in many countries sends missionaries to reach other tribes and language groups in their own country, as well as to evangelize and raise up leaders and churches in other nations. In the U.S., we welcome Christian leaders who immigrate here, recognizing their unique ability to organize new churches filled with immigrants from their region of the world. In all these cases, we acknowledge our own limited vantage point and recognize how God has designed the body of Christ to cooperate for the greater good. Similar efforts are beginning in the church here in our racialized American society, but the process involves hard work and gets pretty messy. I asked an African-American pastor friend how she sees our reality. She replied, It has been my experience that most people within the church are open to having a multiracial church, but not a multicultural one. This happens because we are open to allowing others to come and share our experience, but we are not so eager to allow others to come and change our experiences. Others are allowed to become one of us, but we do not always allow them to remain true to themselves. What's missing is deep and often painful conversation to build meaningful relationships. We need to explore different perspectives on history, culture, the gospel, and politics. That takes a lot of time and energy. There is no way around this. There are fewer people willing to sign up for that type of collaboration. If Crossing Cultures 101 was offered across the ocean, why can't Crossing Cultures 201 be offered across the city? It can. It must. Last summer, interviews with our bishops and several elected African-American leaders in the Free Methodist Church were live-streamed so others could hear their perspectives on racial justice. During the past year, hundreds of free Methodists have read books and joined groups for intentional listening and learning across racial lines, expanding beyond black-white to explore life from the vantage point of Latino, Asian, Native American, and multiracial brothers and sisters. Many have begun to notice how we distance ourselves from the other, whether that otherness involves gender, ethnicity, religion, religion political party, age, differences in ability, or any other feature that separates us. Conversations are happening. Sometimes we lament what has been lost. Sometimes we repent for our complicity and blind spots. We are always seeking to offer grace in this journey toward becoming one in Christ and experiencing a full and diverse expression of that oneness throughout our church. The Love Required of Us by Liz Cornell is our recommended Free Methodist curriculum that is being used in multiple churches across the country to promote cross-cultural understanding of the body of Christ. Testimonies of how God is using these groups to transform lives and communities are now being shared. Greater diversity is being sought and welcomed. Areas of cultural blindness are coming into focus, leading to the admission, Once I was blind, but now I see. Visit freemethodistbooks.com to order the curriculum as a paperback book or as an ebook PDF. Made for oneness. Collaboration is essential to being human. Why? Because even God is not solitary, but exists in a perfect community of three in one. Being made in God's image, as we all are, completely equally, means we are made for relationships of love and mutuality. God's design is for shalom, a peaceable interrelatedness that actively seeks the well-being of others, free Methodist world missions, and theology of mission. God wants all people to experience this shalom. Tragically, the earliest chapters of Genesis show terrible division resulting from the fall of the human race, beginning with enmity between the man and the woman, then between their sons, Cain and Abel, ultimately involving all human society. The rest of the story of the Bible reveals God's long game to reverse the curse and recreate shalom. Along the way, God invites people to co-labor with Him in this epical redemptive work of repairing the breach, creating oneness among all peoples under the Lordship of Christ. How beautifully Jesus shows us how to cross over barriers to discover and experience community. Imagine his conversation with the Samaritan woman at the well in the fourth chapter of John's Gospel. She clearly understands the dividing wall of hostility between them, culturally and religiously. He is Jewish. She is Samaritan. John explains in verse 9 to make sure we outsiders know Jews do not associate with Samaritans. He is a man. She is a woman. In Jesus' culture, his disciples were shocked to see him dialogue with her. He is a holy rabbi. She has had quite a history. Even conversing with her taints his reputation. Yet Jesus tells her of God's expansive plan for the human race. The true worshipers the Father seeks are not only from among the Jews. She can be a true worshiper. He reveals that he is the long-awaited Messiah for both his people and hers. The scene ends with a whole Samaritan village believing in Jesus, telling her, We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. John chapter 4, verse 42. As Jesus' disciples watched, he challenged them to open their eyes and see the fruitful harvest among the Samaritans. The work of convincing them that God's mission extends to all people groups had just begun. Kingdom collaboration took a baby step forward. Jesus had collected a diverse band of disciples, Jewish men whose politics and livelihoods would never have blended into a community of oneness without him. As they followed and learned, he not only invited them to see these Samaritans as candidates for his movement, he showed mercy to a Roman centurion, an enforcer of the hated oppressor. He surprisingly welcomed women to travel with them and provide financial support. He touched lepers and accepted the offer of a woman with a less-than-pristine reputation to wash his feet. He ate in the homes of tax collectors and sinners. He fearlessly, graciously overcame the barriers that divide people into in-groups and out-groups. In terms of our stereotypes, he blended the Waffle House crowd with the Starbucks crowd, blue-collar with white-collar, right, left, the leave-me-out-of-politics people, all in one Jesus movement. He walked with them for three years, proclaiming and demonstrating the kingdom through his miracles and teaching. Then he sent them out two by two so they could experience his amazing power as they took the good news to new towns and villages. Through these astonished apostles, people were healed and demons cast out. God's kingdom had come to the here and now. How did we get from there to here? The book of Acts shows the breathtaking spread of the church from one people group to another. The day of Pentecost in chapter 2 marked the Holy Spirit's co toward this grand goal as people from all over the known world heard the message of Jesus in their own language. As persecution scattered the believers, the message spread like wildfire, but hit some firewalls of culture along the way. For instance, in chapter 6, a dispute arose because Hellenistic, Greek-speaking Jewish widows were being discriminated against in the distribution of food. The matter was settled by choosing seven deacons with the right culture and language to attend to these neglected women's needs. Barrier crossed. Chapter 8 describes Philip, one of these deacons experiencing a tremendous turning to Jesus among Samaritans, with signs and wonders demonstrating God's healing power. Right after this, an angel sends Philip to meet an Ethiopian government official who is leaving Jerusalem by chariot. Philip simply obeys, and a most amazing conversation ensues. Philip baptizes the official and then miraculously disappears. The plot has thickened. The Ethiopian takes the good news of Jesus back home to Africa. Chapter 10 tells the story of the Jew Peter overcoming a lifetime of prejudice against Gentiles As God orchestrates an encounter with a Roman centurion named Cornelius, complete with parallel confirming visions and a powerful outpouring of the Holy Spirit on a whole Gentile family, the wall between Jew and Gentile is breached. The book of Acts carries the story onward with the message crossing barriers all the way to Rome. This begins to fulfill God's Old Testament promises that through the Israelites, God would ultimately bless the whole earth. From the creation of all things in Genesis to the full restoration of all things in the book of Revelation, God's aim has been to unite all things in Christ. Revelation chapter 7 verses 9 and 10 paints the picture. After this, I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. A Little Taste of Heaven About 300 of us got a little taste of this scene a few weeks ago on a Zoom global prayer meeting led by Free Methodist World Missions. Translation was available in nine languages, Four people from Asia led out in prayer for Europe. Four from the Middle East prayed for Africa. Four Africans prayed for Latin America. By the end, each continent had offered intercession for others, and everyone had received the blessing of being prayed for. It was powerful. At the end, the organizer told us we could unmute ourselves to say goodbye. For a full five minutes, blessings and farewells were called out in nine languages. Nobody wanted to leave. It was like a reunion of long-lost loved ones reaching out for a virtual embrace. Some weeping, calling across the void. I love you. God bless you. Until next time. We realize that most of us will never meet in person on earth, but united in Christ and joined as a global movement for the cause of Christ, we love each other even now and are assured of a grand meeting in heaven. Whenever we experience supernatural oneness that transcends natural human divisions. We discover that we are part of the answer to Jesus' fervent prayer. Right before his arrest, crucifixion, and resurrection, he prayed, My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them, and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them, even as you have loved me. John chapter 17, verses 20 to 23. Our unity brings glory to God. Our unity convinces the world that the Father has sent the Son. Our unity communicates to the watching world the unspeakable love of God. Let's do whatever it takes to seek and find that unity. Everything is at stake. Discussion. Understanding our blind spots. Part 1 of a two-part study on cross-cultural collaboration. Begin your group gathering prayerfully, singing or praying these lyrics. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. As a group, participate in this simple and fun exercise in observation. Take a common object. It can be most anything. As you pass it from person to person, have everyone name one attribute of the object. Example, a tennis ball might be fluorescent or fuzzy. Continue through three complete cycles and have someone write down all the responses. Now, reflect on these questions together. For the first person to receive the object, how easy was it for you to name an attribute? How much time and thought did you give to your response? For the last person to receive the object in the third round, How much time and thought did you give before responding? How did your experience differ from the first person to name an attribute of the object? Bishop Linda's car accident was an example of what happens when we have blind spots. Bishop Linda says, Without intending harm, we make false assumptions about people's existence because we're seeing them only through our own cultural lenses. Number one. Describe a time where another person made a false assumption or judgment about you. Number two, how did that make you feel? And how did you respond? Number three, when we hear the words white, Latino, African, black, and Asian, we tend to immediately have images and words enter our minds. Without responding aloud, consider those images and or words and ask yourself, Could any of these be false assumptions? Number four, for those who are white, reflect on Bishop Linda's statement that it is significant to know that 75% of whites have entirely white social networks without any minority presence. Number five, consider your own social networks, friends, colleagues, social, professional, etc. Are they made up of only white people? Or are people of other races involved and viewed as peers and leaders? Number six, based on your responses above, how does having monochrome social networks, regardless of race, increase the likelihood of false assumptions and judgments? Number seven, consider this and discuss. People are not like the object we pass through our circle. They are people. We use objects. But when we use people, we objectify them rather than humanize them. Number eight, have you been on a short term missions trip? In your group, discuss those trips and what you learned. Bishop Linda says, I asked an African American pastor friend how she sees our reality. Reflect on the responses of the African American pastor and discuss them. We want a multiracial church, but not a multicultural one. We prefer sharing our experiences over allowing others to change them. We desire for others to become one of us without remaining true to themselves. Deep and often painful conversations that would lead to collaboration are missing. Discuss the four points above. Do you agree with those statements, disagree, or have additional thoughts to share? For those who are white, How often do you ask your friends of color about their opinions, viewpoints, feedback, or experiences? What might be one step we can take in our church and personal lives to open the door to pursue collaboration with others? Two Extended Study Opportunities Bishop Linda recalls two conversations with Free Methodist leaders of color in 2020. As a group, consider watching these two videos— Lengthy, but well worth the investment of time, and openly discussing them together. Talk, listen, and learn together at vimeo.com forward slash 433 Continuing the conversation at vimeo.com forward slash 433 Additionally, Bishop Linda mentions The Love Required of Us by Liz Cornell recommended by the Free Methodist Church as a resource to pursue greater racial understanding. Consider doing this study as a group. Purchase online print or PDF ebook at fmchr.ch/lcornell. Discussion: Seeking Shalom for All. Part 2 of a two-part study on cross-cultural collaboration. As with the first lesson, Begin your group gathering prayerfully, singing or praying these lyrics. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. The Theology of mission document from Free Methodist World Missions states that God's design for shalom is a peaceable interrelatedness that actively seeks the well-being of others. As a group, discuss the implications of each portion of this statement to the overall definition. First, peaceable interrelatedness. Second, actively seeks. Third, well-being of others. Bishop Linda takes us to the story of Jesus interacting with a Samaritan woman at the well. She points out three crossings that Jesus does with great intentionality, even though they were culturally inappropriate in his day. Let's look at, first, the wall of hostility. Jesus crosses over into Samaria. What Samarias should we be crossing over into today? Two, issues of gender. Jesus talks with a woman. What issues of gender should we be crossing over today? Three, holy and unholy. Jesus interacts with a woman scarred by sin. In what ways can we minister to people scarred by sin without fear or apprehension? How did we get from there to here? From the onset of God's covenant with Abram, Abraham, the intent is to bless all nations with the redeeming work of Jesus. In what ways has this covenant promise been fulfilled? And in which ways is it still yet to be fulfilled? Bishop Linda uses the book of Acts to paint a portrait of cross-cultural expressions of faith in the early church. Chapter 10 tells a story of the Jew Peter overcoming his lifelong prejudice against Gentiles as God orchestrates an encounter with a Roman centurion named Cornelius. Complete with parallel confirming visions and a powerful outpouring of the Holy Spirit on a whole Gentile family, the wall between Jew and Gentile is breached. 1. How are we, like Peter, having a difficult time overcoming various prejudices, even religious ones? 2. What role does the Holy Spirit play in bringing together the Jews and Gentiles in Acts 10? How might that inform us as to how the Spirit might work today toward the same ends? 3. God uses the distinction between what is clean and unclean to convince Peter that he has categorized people. What might we label unclean today that keeps us from crossing boundaries of culture to share the gospel and collaborate with new believers? Bishop Linda closes her article with the story of 300 people of all nations gathered on Zoom to pray for one another. Nation prayed for nation and continent for continent. She describes it as a taste of heaven. What similar situations might you have experienced that have caused you to believe you caught a glimpse of heaven? Close in prayer. Lord Jesus, we are prone to call things unclean, divide and separate ourselves from other believers, and gather around the comforts of our own likes and preferences. We've brought that into the church, and we confess it to you here and now. We know that we have brothers and sisters around the globe and in our towns and neighborhoods. Bring us together more and more. Let us be humble in heart as we open up to learn from others around the globe who love you and serve you. Give us that spirit of peaceable interrelatedness that brings shalom to all. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen.